Okay, we're going to read from the Bible, and then uh, in the next hymn, I think you younger ones go out, don't you? Sad for me, but it's good for you. Okay, so we'll say goodbye in the next hymn, okay? So John chapter 21, if you've got your Bibles, um, and we're going to begin at verse 15. And this is quite a well-known story, the resurrection um, account of Jesus meeting the disciples on the beach after his resurrection, obviously. So John chapter 21 and verse 15. We'll read down to the end of the chapter. Uh, In fact, I'll read 14. This is how, now the third time, Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands And another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, following, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, But Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, If I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Then this saying went out among the brethren that this disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. There are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. Amen. Well, we'll think about that in a, in a little while. After we've sung again, see amid the winter snow. At this, that point, we'll see you children later. Okay, thank
lovely. We're going to pray and then we'll look at that passage together. Pray with me and ask God to speak. Please, let's pray. Father in heaven, as we come now to consider your word, we pray that you would speak to us. May we hear you speaking today, Lord, through your word. And may you change our lives. May we see a vision of Jesus like that man saw that treasure that meant he gave up all else to have that treasure that he needed. And Father, we know that we need you. We need the Lord Jesus Christ, our Saviour. We need to know him. We need to be forgiven by him. So, Lord, please draw near to us now, we ask, and help us to forsake all other things and cling onto him, we pray. So help us, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. When I was 18, I came to this chapel for the very first time. That's a lot of years ago. I sat just over there. And it had pews, and J.C. Jones was preaching. I was a student at Shuttleworth College. That's a lot of years ago. And uh, it's good to be here. It's always strange going back. I remember, I grew up in Bedfordshire, in Kensworth, up by Whipsnade Zoo. And I lived there till I was 16. And I wasn't, although I was a Christian, those years, 13 to 16, weren't the most the best years of my life to look back on, shall I say. I was a pain to those in the church, an irritant, uh, and not particularly helpful. So then to go back in my 20s to preach was a little bit humbling, to say the least, because they knew me inside out. And uh, there was one lady, she's died now, who still had the liberty of calling me Nikki because that's what she'd always known me as, and she's the only person who ever could call me that. That is strange going back places, isn't it? And yet today, in, as we look at Peter, the Lord is going back to Peter. And uh, in the account we, we read, the Lord is coming back to Peter just a few days before Jesus died. Obviously, he was betrayed by Judas. And you know the story how Peter, most ran, but Peter did follow at a distance the Lord. And... Um, he was asked three times, you're with him, aren't you? You're one of his disciples. And you know what he said. And to be honest, it's too close to home just to brush past it. Because I know in my own experience, when under the pressure of other people, particularly when I was young, the pressure of not owning Jesus, Okay? That's what, exactly what happened. The pressure of those in the courtyard as he warmed himself saying, you're one of his followers, aren't you? No, 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 no. And then eventually, tragically, through um, he, he swore and cursed to try and convince them that he wasn't one of the Lord Jesus' disciples. And then he left and was sad. And through his denial and through his behaviour, his swearing, he denied Jesus Christ. Now, if any of you are sitting here thinking, God, what a shocker. You have a different experience slightly to me because I have known times in my life when I haven't been thrilled to be known as one of the Lord Jesus Christ followers. In certain pressurised situations, where the, I remember going when I was um, probably late teens and I went somewhere and I went with friends and we weren't doing anything wrong and there was an open air preacher there and the friend said, oh, let's stop and listen. I have to say, the last thing at that point I wanted to do was stand and listen because I was embarrassed. Who was I embarrassed of? I was embarrassed of standing with Jesus Christ. It's so close to home, and yet here in chapter 21, after the resurrection, we have a personal interview with Jesus and Peter again. And if that isn't, you know, you might think, oh, that's a terrifying thing for Peter to face. 
but you have all the kindness and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ as he comes to this man who had disowned him by his behaviour and by his words. And he comes to this man and after meeting with the others and giving them breakfast, they'd gone fishing, hadn't they? And he made breakfast for them on the beach. But then I think there's seven disciples there with him and then eventually it's just Peter and the Lord. This personal interview with the Lord where the Lord restores him and you know the parallel three times he denied and three times as we read Peter, Jesus says to Peter Peter do you love me and three times he's able to say I do love you Lord I do we'll look at that in a moment I do love you so the three denials and then the three um, affirmations of his faith and his devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. Why on earth should the Lord come to Peter and restore him? I mean, Peter had walked with Jesus for three years and seen what he'd done. He'd seen it. I mean, he'd seen miracles, he'd seen incredible, heard incredible teachings, he'd heard endless kindness and truth constantly. And then he said, I don't know what, basically, I don't even know him. After three years, he said, that's that's awful. But here you see the heart of God. You see the heart of God. You see what real love is, what real commitment is. And you see God the Son, God the Son, coming near to this man, Peter, because what he did was terrible. What I have done is terrible. What we have done is terrible. Again and again and again and again. After we know him. After we know him. And yet the Lord comes. He has just, right, that's it. You know, I know what I'm like with my children. You know, let me explain how you do this. I told you how quick we are to write people off. You've mucked up again, you know, finished. I'm glad the Lord isn't like that, because he's not. He's not like that. And you see that here. The kindness and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. He comes again to this man, who with cursing and oaths had denied him, and then said, I don't know him. And he restores him and makes him pillar of the church. Now I'm not going to go down any line that says he became the first pope or anything like that. Okay, but he became, he was an apostle. He was a pillar of the church. He taught, he gave us the letters of Peter and God used him incredibly. This man, praise God for the grace of God, for his kindness, for the saviour who reaches to me and you again and again, and again. I am, I, I love this story. Well, you, I, we talked a little bit about the, the background to it. Um, Peter, I think perhaps, as, as we go back, Jesus has, has died, he's been raised, but he's not there at this point. And Peter says to the others, I'm going fishing. You know? And I put a tone of voice in there, because I think that's probably what he did. You know, you know like husband do, I'm going out. I'm going out for a bit. (laughs) I need a bit of space. And Peter says, I'm going fishing. Well, Jesus called him from fishing to fishing for men. But here he's back on scene, I'm going fishing. And the others joined him. And off he goes uh, back to what he knew, fishing. It seems such a mess. And then the Lord Jesus obviously meets them there. Now, I want to talk about the big questions, because these are the big questions for me and you. The question Jesus asked him in his restoration, that's where I want to spend our time, really. He doesn't say to him, are you coming back to church? Are you going to be a member? Are you going to read the Bible every day? Now, all those things are good. But he doesn't ask, say any of those things. Because... Here is real Christianity. 
The question from Jesus is, to Peter, to me, and to you, is, Peter, do you love me? Now that's Christianity, you see. Christianity isn't membership, attendance, giving, Bible reading. And I don't knock any of those things. But Christianity is, do you love me? Do you know what, doesn't that search you when you think about that? I'll be a member. I'll come every week. I'll, I'll even give some money. No, no, the question is from the Lord, if you're going to be saved or restored, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love Jesus Christ? That's the question to Peter. That's the question to Nick and to you all here today. Jesus says to you, do you love me? Because it's all about a relationship with him who died and first loved us. He, you may or may not know, but there's different words here when he says these three times, do you love me? There's different words in the original languages for love and in the first uh, two times in this passage where he says, do you, Peter, do you love me? He uses agape love. That's Christ-like sacrificial love. Peter, do you love me in a godly, sacrificial, self-denying way? And Peter answers in the first two times, Lord, I love you. But it's not agape love he uses. It's filial, which is a lower, like a brother. Like a brother. I love you like a brother. Do you get that's a bit of force in that? So Jesus says to him the first few times, Do you love me in a godly, self sacrificing, like Jesus did on the cross? Do you love me with that sort of strength of love, which would lay down your life for me? Peter says, I love you like a brother. Now, the last, on the third occasion when Jesus says, Do you love me? he says, Peter, do you love me? Like a brother? It's a different word. Filial love. So the third time, he doesn't say, do you love me in this self-sacrificing way? He says, do you love me like a brother even, Peter? I say even, because I think that's the force of it. Peter, do you even love me like a brother? So the Lord, do we love him? Do we love Jesus Christ? That's the questions that come here. The big question in these verses 15 to 17 that come to Peter in his restoration and to us, if we have done like Peter, if we have be restored to him, if we are not a Christian and we need to become a Christian, the question isn't, will you come to church? The question isn't, will you read your Bible? The question is, do you love me? Like the treasure in the field. Yeah. I'll, that's self sacrifice I'll give up everything to have you, Lord Jesus. Okay? Do you love me? But that's not the whole question. What's the whole question in the first, in the first time he asks it? Come on, someone, you've got, if you've got Bibles, tell me. What's the first question? It's not just do you love me. Verse 15, more than these. Do you know what? That, we can miss that bit. That is vital. When I got married 30 years ago, 30 years ago, if you'd have said to anybody, and I'm sure it was, you've just got married, so I'm afraid you're going to be the target of this question. Okay, if, if, you are, if someone said to you, do you love each other? You'd always say yes, wouldn't you? I hope you would. So say yes, say yes quickly as I'm beginning to worry, okay? Okay. You say, yeah. If I asked you the question, all of you, do you, do, you love, do you love the Lord Jesus Christ? You'd all say yes, I think. But if I said to you, in the words of Jesus, but do you love him more than anything else? Because that's the force of the question. Do you love me more than these, Peter, is the whole question. 
all right? Because when you get married, you don't just say, do you love him or love her? You say, forsaking all else. I don't know if you had that in your, in, 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 but that's the, often the words, forsaking all else, I have you and you alone. Now, that's the force of this. Peter, do you love me more than these, more than anything else? I think we'd all say, yes, I love you, Lord. But if, we, if the question is, as it is to Peter, do you love me above everything else? That puts meat on that question, doesn't it? Do you think? That's, that's strong. And that is the question. That is the question. Peter, you say you love me. Would you love me above everything else? It doesn't mean you don't love your family, but it does give meaning to that that phrase um, in uh, Luke 14, I think it is, where Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone comes after me, he's got to... I'll read it to you. And... If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. A strong. Now, get it right. The Bible teaches us to love one another. But relative to our love for the Lord, the question is, will you love me more than husband or wife? or father, or mother, or children, or brothers and sisters? That's the question. Will you love me above all these, more than all these? It's very strong. I have to ask you a question as I ask myself. Do I love Jesus Christ more than anything else? anyone else. That's the lesson of the treasure that's buried in the field. That's why I played with the kids and said, oh, his precious armchair, and his, his television, and match of the day, and all the you know, stuff things. But I know that children's stories are normally for the adults because they're the only ones who, you know, they're the ones who really listen. That's the only bit people listen to, isn't it? The children's story, okay? But we get it, don't we? To have the treasure. Do you love me? More than these. What was he indicating when Jesus said to Peter, do you love me more than these? Maybe he was, I I imagine, I'm not adding to scripture here, but I imagine there's a sweep of the hand and more than fishing maybe, he's gone fishing. Do you love me more than this? Peter, is is this important to you? Do you love me more than this? Now, that's maybe a business enterprise. I know some people do fish for pleasure. I can't get that. But anyway, but some do. Yeah, they're strange. Any fishermen here? Any fishermen here? Good, let's say anything you like then, can't we? Okay, but some odd people fish, all right? And they sit on the bank, and I had a guy who worked for me, and he, he, he said, I'm having three days off, and I'm fishing. Come back after three days. Do you have a good time? Oh, it's fantastic time to catch anything. No, but it was great. No, rain, rain, rain. Never caught a thing, but it was a great three days. You sure you don't go fishing? You don't go fishing, do you? Oh, he's been converted. That's amazing. <laughs> fishing is a funny... If I've offended you, I don't mean to offend anybody. I'm teasing you. But, you know, hey, Peter, do you love me? above all these other pleasures that you may enjoy. Do you know, I love sport. I love football. But it's a god to loads of people. It's an idol, isn't it? It's so big. That's one of the reasons that I love Sunday, actually. Because it smashes all those idols. You know, today, I'm going to forget about football. No, I mean, I, I mean, I love sport whether it be rugby, football, cricket, anything. I just love it. But today, God helps me on his day 
to smash that idol. Christ first. That's a blessing of this day, actually. I, when my kids used to do a lot of running, they used to do loads of running, and they, they wanted them s- seven days a week down at the Athletic Stadium in Bedford. But we, we, they didn't run on Sunday. And I'm, I'm not making a big deal of that, and we'll blow my own trumpet. I'm, but one of my daughters said to me, I'm glad we never ran on Sunday. Just constant on and on and on. You just breathe and worship the Lord. Do you know what I mean? Stop the other stuff. For me, let, let Liverpool win or lose today. It doesn't matter. It's the Lord's day. That's great. That's a real blessing to me. Okay. But you love me more than these. Whether it be sport or business or hobbies, or as we've read from Luke 14, family. My son was speaking at Clifton last week, and he quoted that verse about Jesus bringing a sword, and he'll divide families even. Now, I'll be really careful, because I know a lot of you are one family. But sometimes, and I'm from a big family too, sometimes where your family aren't Christians, it's mighty difficult. What, however you try and explain, they do not understand. They can't understand. And they may think you're a little bit strange. It, it, and it causes some pain and a little bit of division. And it, he is the Prince of Peace, but for many it brings... Because they don't connect. And they don't appreciate the Lord Jesus Christ like you do. Okay? Do you love me, therefore, more than these? More than even the regard of your family or your friends. Do you love me more than these? This is the question for us. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek that first. Seek that above everything else. And all these things will be added to you. That doesn't mean you'll be healthy and wealthy. But it means he will be everything to you. That will take, he will take care of all those things. But put him first. Love him above all others. In the Bible, there's lots of stories about people who... I realise the time is whizzing on and we may not quite finish, but never mind. Um, there's lots of stories about people who loved other things. In John chapter 3, in regard to becoming a Christian, it's where Nicodemus uh, is interviewing with Jesus and he says, you must be born again. He says, I'm going to be lifted up like the serpent was lifted up in the Old Testament um, and you need to trust in me. <clears throat> but then he says, in verses 17, 18, 19, he says, he came to his own but his own received him not. And uh, well, that's in John 1, but then he c- continues it in John 3. And he says, this is the condemnation. Light has come into the world, but men loved darkness rather than light. So people don't become Christians, not because they're ignorant in some respects, but because they love darkness. If you're not a Christian today, it's because you... Love something else more than Christ. You'd rather have wrong than Christ. They love darkness rather than light. There's this man in the Bible who had uh, dealings with uh, Paul, a man called Demas. He's mentioned three times in the New Testament. And then one first occasion, it's Paul says, my fellow worker Demas. On the next occasion, he says, Demas is with me. On the third occasion, Demas is mentioned, Paul says... Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. He loves something else more than Christ. In Revelation 2, there's a letter to the church at Ephesus. There, um, John tells them, you've left your first love. You're not loving the Lord. 
You love other things. You've left your first love. The rich young ruler came to Jesus uh, and he had so much, but he wanted eternal life. But it says at the end of the story, when Jesus said to him, go and sell all you've got and give to the poor, he went away sad. Why? Because he loved his possessions. He had many possessions and he loved them. And he wasn't willing to trade that and give it up for Jesus Christ. He loved something else more. So the question for us is, do you love me more than anything else? More than anything else. Above family, above business, above pleasure, above um, what your peers think. Do you love me more than these? Look, we're going to try and skip through these last few verses in about five minutes. My second point, that's where I've got to now, my second point. This love he's talking about in the life of Peter has feet. That means it's active. Faith has hands. What does he tell him every time he asks him to, if he loves him? And Peter returns, you know I love you. And there three times he, he tells him to do something. Feed my sheep. Tend my lambs. Feed my sheep. True love for Christ has feet. It's active. Many will say, oh, I love the Lord. But love is active. I heard the quote the um, week or so back where someone said, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. Love has feet. You see that on a human level, but so with Christ. Love brings action. And any person who professes to love Christ that doesn't make an effect on their life, what would you conclude from what we're saying? What would you conclude? Don't love. You're right. Don't love. If we say we love Christ, well, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Love has feet. If we love above all other things, we love Christ, then it brings action. It always shows in our behaviour. Point three, that was a quick one. Point three, this love carries a cost, verses 18 to 23. And he's talking about the cost of Peter following Jesus Christ. Let me read that verse 18 again. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. And when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Peter, who died for love of Christ. Love, this love, carries a cost. To become a Christian, to follow Jesus Christ, always costs. Now, when we talk with the children about the treasure in the field, that cost him his those armchair and telling all the stuff. But we would then say, but is it a real cost? Because see what he got. He had Christ, that treasure. So this, to love Christ, does cost apparently. But with him, with Christ, will God not freely give us all things? Do you see what you see? It's a cost apparently. But in him, we are blessed beyond measure. Beyond measure. We have heaven awaiting us. What's the cost? John Newton put it like this. He said, some Christians apparently are like a man in a carriage. Remember, he wrote a long time ago, he's in a carriage, not a car. So a horse-drawn carriage. He says, he's on his way to inherit, to get some great inheritance. Hear the will read and get some great inheritance. From, an, from some relative. And on the way, 
his carriage wheel breaks and he goes into the ditch. And oh, he's, he's stuck now. And so he starts to walk to this destination where he's going to receive his inheritance. And all the way, he says, oh, my carriage is broken, my carriage is broken. You say, what a fool, you're going for an inheritance. It's of no consequence that your carriage is broken. So to follow Christ carries a cost. It might be the esteem of friends. It might be all sorts of things. Giving up fishing. Giving up all sorts of things. Apparently there's a cost. You're the wealthiest person in the world. A little story. Some of you know Troy, don't you? I went to see Troy the other... You know Troy, don't you? He goes to Clifton. And because at the moment I'm not taking a front role at Clifton. And so I went to see Troy and Troy said, Oh, what are we doing for this? And I said, Well, to be honest, mate... I don't know, because I'm not in all that conversation at the moment. He says, oh yeah, you're a nobody now, aren't you? I said, mate, I am not a nobody. I'm a king's son. I'm not a nobody. If you're a Christian, you're a king's son. You're not a nobody if you're a child of God, whether you're privy to all the church politics or not. You're a king's son. I was glad to say it. Because it's true. I'm the son of God. Join heirs with Christ. I can't get my head around that. But it's true. So this love carries a cost. And for Peter, he did give up his life. Yes, he did. And through the ages, there's been martyrs throughout all the ages. You can read in Acts 7. Stephen, the first Christian martyr, stoned to death for owning Christ and his resurrection. A cost. That's, I mean, that's a huge cost. You can read through church history. Polycarp in AD 160, he was in his 80s, who was thrown uh, in the arena. And they said, oh, we can throw the lions at you. Bring them on. We can, we can tear you to pieces. Bring it on. We can put you in the flame. He said, deny Christ, Polycarp, and we'll let you off. He said, deny Christ? I've walked with Christ all my life, and he's never deserted me. And he was burned. It was martyrdom, but glory, you see. There is a cost. You could talk about others, John Huss, John Rogers, and on and on and on. I'll give you one more. Adoniram Judson was a missionary, went as a missionary in the 1800s. But in those days, in the 1800s, when he went to what was called Burma then, he became a Christian. He knew he needed to go as a missionary. There was a girl he'd fallen in love with, and she wanted to go as a missionary as well. So they thought, let's get married. As a missionary. This is not for your benefit, by the way. There's no hidden agenda in my story here. Okay, but Adoniram Judson wrote to his prospective in-laws, right, to ask for the hand in marriage, because that's how you did it then. Okay, you had to write the letters, and he wrote, and he said, let me read. This is the cost of being a Christian, the following Christ. He wrote to Mr. Hasseltine, which is Anne's maiden name. He said this, He wrote to their father and he said, I have now to ask whether you can consent to part with your daughter early next spring, to see her no more in this world. That's a big request. Whether you can consent to her departure to a heathen land and a subjection to the hardships and sufferings of a missionary life. Whether you can consent to her exposure to the dangers of the ocean, to the fatal influence of the southern climate of India to every kind of want and distress, to degradation, insult, persecution, perhaps a violent death? Can you consent to all this for the sake of him who left his heavenly home and died for her and for you, for the sake of the perishing immortal souls, for the sake of Zion and the glory of God? Can you consent to all this in hope of soon meeting your daughter in the world of glory with a crown of righteousness brightened by the acclamations of praise which shall resound to her saviour from heathen saved through her means from eternal woe and despair. There's a cost to serving. Can you imagine as a parent calling? You get a letter like that. Are you willing to give your daughter up to go to another part of the world where she'll almost certainly die and you'll never see her again but she will be used by the Lord. That's the gist of that letter. Are you willing to give her up? There's a cost to following Christ. 
And in actual fact, she did die. In fact, he married again and she died in Burma as well. And he buried children there. But the question is, do you love me more than these? There's a cost. By the way, a couple of years ago, me and Sarah went to America. We went to Boston and there was a museum to Adoniram Judson. We thought, it said on the website, we went there and there was just a house, no longer a museum. And some people living there had no idea the history of who Judson was. It was the old parsonage near Boston. But another car drew up, and it was a Burmese pastor with a load of his congregation. He said, I bring them all here. Because this is the man, they need to know about Adoniram Judson. Because this is the man who gave us our Bible. This is the man who brought Christianity to our land. And he brings his congregation to that place that they remember. There's a cost, but huge glory. So what he wrote there came out in actual fact. We could go on. There's a lot. I've got others here. We haven't got time. There's a great cost to loving Christ. Are you willing to pay a cost? To apparent cost of following Christ and loving Christ. There's separation from friends. In the last few verses of the chapter, there's an interesting bit where Peter says to, he's feeling the pressure, and he, he turns to the Lord and he says, points at John and said, um, what about this man? I feel a bit pressurised here. What should this man do in those verses 20 to 23? Lord, who is the one? Uh, and he's asked that question. Uh, verse 21. But Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to me, If I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? Follow me. It's very, for me, the personal nature of this, these questions are so strong. Peter, do you love me? It's like, there's no one else there. There are others there. It's like it's just Peter and the Lord. Do you love me? What about this? He's irrelevant at this point. Maybe some of you are thinking, as I ask you, do you love Christ? You're thinking, what, what, what about those on the second row, the first row? There's that sitting over there. What about them? Have you got a question for them? Peter says, Lord, what about this man? What's he got to do? No, no, he's irrelevant. Jesus is speaking to you as he is to Peter and he is to me, just me. And it's a question that you must answer, not others here. You must answer. Do you love me more than anything? Love has feet, love has cost, but love has great, great blessing. Great blessing. Very personal. I have to ask those questions. Do you love him? The one who loved you first. The one who gave his life for you. Now, if you find today your heart is cold, as sometimes we do experience. You need to look again at the treasure. You know, take another look at that treasure. Consider Jesus Christ again. Remember who he is, how far he came to this earth, what he did on earth, and how he gave his life for you. Not because you're great, because we're not, but because we're sinners. And not worth a button, but he loves you just the same and me. Take a look at him again. And then say, I hear his question. Do you love me more than anything else? Will you follow me to the end? And don't be short-sighted. Remember that quote, the missionary quote? He's no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Some of you are thinking about your armchair, your favourite armchair. Oh, I have this armchair on the treasure. But Jesus said, you fool. He says to me, you fool, when I think like that. 
You know, he's thinking, oh, I want to watch Match of the, I want to watch match of the Day up at 10. You fool! You're trading buttons for treasure. Do you love me? The Lord of glory says to you. He loved you first. He did. I know our love goes up and down. It's got lovely verses in Romans where it says that he sheds abroad his love in our hearts. You cold-hearted, come to him because the fruit of the Spirit is love. He will change your cold heart and make you love more and more. Well, answer the question and be willing to say, Lord, I want to love you more than anything. Help me, save me. And look at him again today. Let's sing, Colin, please, if we can. Our last hymn, and then we'll close in prayer. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. And may your word remain with us, help us to think on it, seek to answer the questions honestly, search our own hearts, Lord, that we might um, truly be your disciples, we pray. We want to be, yet we find ourselves weak. And so we ask for your power and help to uh, help us to love We thank you that one day, when in heaven, we will love you as we should. 
We long for that day, Lord. Um, so bless us now, be with each one of us and the children too, for Jesus' sake. Amen.